Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself. Mike Surratt. Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. Baby Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. Cross over, I might throw the hell of you. But they sleeping on me while I take them back to school. Man up in my city. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surrett, the Province Crier. Um, read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Also follow me on Twitter, at Providence Crier. And join with me is my host, BOC. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at BOC all day. Um, it's Saturday, uh, December 12th. And finally, you know, it feels like a real college hoop Saturday, despite cancellations, which, which we will get to. But um, first, we're, we're going to start out the show by uh, going over PC's win against TCU um, this past week. Uh, Friars get 79-70 victory on the road uh, at TCU. And uh, BOC, that game was was refreshing to see. For so, sure. Yeah, it was it was a nice win. And I was looking at the stats after the game. And if I were to read to you that TCU shot uh, about 60% from the field, 43% from three, and 71% from the free throw line, you probably would have said it was a uh, – repeat of the Alabama game and we got our doors blown off but you know one of the big things we'll talk about and it was one of our keys to uh the game against TCU was contesting threes and limiting the amount of threes so although they shot 43 percent from three and had a good field goal percentage they only shot 14 threes and I think that was a testament to the defense from Providence obviously we know Duke had a monster game Watson was consistent as ever and we got a lot of bench productivity. So all in all, it was a uh, it was a very good win heading into Biggie's play, whenever that may be for the Friars. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, well, the biggest highlight had to have been uh, David Duke continuing the stardom that that you and I knew he uh, would have this season. He's got back to back games with twenty eight points. He was unstoppable in this one. Twenty eight points. 11 of 19 from the floor, five of eight from three, uh, seven assists, two seals. Um, I mean, he was just a monster and just shows that he's the type of player that, that you can really lean on uh, offensively. Yeah. The game, the, the testament to how well he did is just how it looked like the announcers mentioned a couple of times, how slow the game looks and how easy it looks for him. He looked so comfortable on the court. Um, against a good TCU backcourt, mind you, um, he just looked really great. And, you know, there was a lot of outcries afterwards about how Duke isn't getting the respect he deserves in the preseason. I completely agree with that. I know 
we were talking about some bold predictions, and I had mentioned that uh, Duke has potential to be Big East Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year, a la Chris Dunn. I think that's uh, definitely in the cards. And he just looks like a really complete player. He's going – if he keeps playing at this level, this may be his last year in Providence. And, you know, if he keeps playing at this level, I think we'd be okay with that because it means it's a good sign for Providence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially if you think about, like, recruiting, trying to find the next point guard. Um, I mean, even though he plays – a lot of off the ball still. I mean, the fact that he's developed into this type of players is, I mean, I think it's mostly a testament to him, but I mean, certainly recruits see that as as something good for the program. Unlike the program can develop guys. So um, yeah, I mean, he he was just awesome. Um, I I don't get it. Like (laughs) I'm in that Friars Twitter group and like people just don't, seem to think Dunn is a high first round pick, which like, you mean it's Duke, like, Duke, right? Duke. Or, yeah. Pardon me. Duke. Um, it's like, what are we watching the same game? <laughs> Cause like you said, he looks so comfortable in that game. He's a money shooter. Like he can dial it up from three, uh, five of eight in this game. <clears throat> um, but you know, I like, he was going into the year or going into the, the game. He was 40%. He was 42% last year. Like he can shoot. And I honestly think like you want a bold prediction. I think David Duke's going to have a much, a, a, a better NBA career than Chris Dunn. Interesting. Um, Cause he can shoot. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and you know, the NBA game, they value shooting a ton and, you know, obviously Dunn's establishing himself as, one of the better defenders in the NBA for guards. But um, I don't know, man, like the athleticism is close. The shooting is just not even close. Duke is just way better. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That was always Dunn's and still is uh, his Achilles heel is the lack of shooting ability um, where I think, where I think a lot of that, the consternation comes from Friar fans is they want, and Obviously, as a fan, it's easier to be pessimistic than optimistic. That's like the psyche of a fan, regardless of what team you watch, but especially the Friars who are like bat- battered and bruised. <laughs> um, but I think the next step for, for Duke is playing against a, a Villanova or a Creighton and taking a game over. Um, we saw it last year against Creighton on the road, even in a loss where he took that game over. And I think we need to see him. It's nice to do it against TCU. They're a quality program. We want to see him do something to this level against a, you know, a top 15 squad and that'll change everybody's opinion. And I think it'll happen. Um, the only thing that would prevent that from happening is uh, him getting in foul trouble, which can, which tends to happen here and there. But yeah, I'm, you and I are both very high on Duke and I think the sky's the limit for him this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, you know, I, what, what I also love about Duke was I believe they were talking about during the broadcast that, you know, he took the the Maui performance on his shoulders. Like he knew like he's got to be the guy to come out and carry the team. And he's really responded back to back 20 point game or 28 point games. And um, yeah, I mean, he's awesome. But uh, moving on to, to another bright start for the Friars, Nate Watson continuing to, to eat, uh, he had 18 points, eight rebounds was a good sign. I believe a lot of those were on the offensive class. But um, one thing I'll, I will point out to you that I love to see, and I've brought this up before, I've wanted to see it more, 
and we see it in this game, uh, the pick and roll with Duke and Watson, it, it's going to be unstoppable. Like, what do you do? Like, you got, you got Watson sending the screen for Duke. Do you chase Duke? Then you just leave Watson wide open to make one of those thunderous slams? Or, or uh, you know, do you, do you stay on Watson and let Duke blow by his man in, into the tin? I mean, I think it's a deadly, deadly combination they got working. Yeah, uh, Watson continues to have a really, really strong start to the year. And um, this game was no different. You and I talked about how probably whoever got the better of the Kevin Samuel and Nate Watson uh, matchup probably was going to be the team that won. And um, Samuel only had, he was out for most of the first half in foul trouble, which is a testament to Watson. Took it to him. Samuel only had 10 points, six rebounds, and uh, three blocks in the game. Three blocks is obviously great, but um, holding him to 10 and six, that, that's fantastic. And then you see Watson who had 18 and eight uh, and really dominated in the paint. And it's nice to see he had an uptick in rebounds as well. Um, so yeah, Watson just keeps, you know, it, it's clear he's healthy. He's much more explosive. And if you're going to have a two man game with him, him and Duke, we're at least going to hang in games. We still need that third person to step up and have a consistent third person, whether that's Reeves or somebody else, but or buying them potentially, but in the interim, if you can hang your hat on Duke and Watson, we're at least going to be hanging in the majority of these games. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I told you that it reminds me a lot of the uh, the the Dunn Bentle team um, that that won uh, against USC in the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it reminds me of that team, but with a cast that I believe is way better than that that uh, previous team's supporting cast. It, like, I definitely think this cast is way 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 better, even if they're not necessarily playing like it yet. Um, I, I, a lot to like about this team. I mean, I know, you know, we go from Maui where it's kind of disappointment and just one, you know, one TCU game later, we're, we're, we're really pumped up about the team, but I mean, they just showed the potential of what they can be, uh, in that game. So a lot to like, um, a few other notes I had, obviously the great shooting 52% from the floor, 44% from three. Most of that, thank you to David Duke. Um, but uh, I thought they took – they didn't take a ton of threes. They took 16. Um, so I thought they were efficient. They picked their spots well. Uh, free throw shooting wasn't great, but they only got the line for 13 free throws, hit six of them. Um, Crosswell, uh, I thought he gave good minutes off the bench in the first half. He had eight points in 11 minutes. Um they got him going with a pick and roll too. And yeah. he had a thunderous slam. <laughs> I texted you. I said that like, I feel like Crosswell just gets bigger. Like every time I see him on just larger, <laughs> he's a force, man. Yeah. One, um, going back to your point with the, the Dunn, uh, Benthiel parallel with this team is um, you saw in this game against TCU, the depth, our bench, and this is rare, like a lot of top teams, um, like a Villanova, for instance, they have a great starting five, but sometimes their bench can put up minimal production. And we've talked about that in past podcasts and in past articles. Um, the bench put up 23 points. And when you can lean on your bench to put up that, I don't expect it to be every game, but if you put up 15 to 20 or more points a game from the bench, that's nice that you don't have, that you can rely on your bench and not exclusively the starters to uh, produce. Um, so, yeah, I think, th- I think, 
we're starting to see some roles carved out, uh, which is nice. Bre- uh, Breed didn't put up any points, but he he just seems to be really uh, knowledgeable on the court. His defense is is strong. Um, so yeah, the the depth is really strong there, and I, I'm excited to see these roles continue to develop uh, as we get into Big East play. Yeah, I mean, uh, a little bit of a humble brag for me, but uh, the, the Cooley goes with the starting lineup that, that I was preaching for, uh, yeah. even though it made me a little nervous. Um, Horschler didn't didn't play great; he only had one point, but he got eight rebounds, which is solid. But I think the key thing is is that Cooley said straight up that he thinks Gant's better suited as the sixth man. And I mentioned that, like he could be a really good sixth man as an energy guy off the bench, a guy that can defend and a guy that, you know, doesn't need the ball a ton, um, but, but it's effective uh, so far, at least in terms of picking his spots on when to shoot. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, I think that makes our bench stronger for sure to have him coming off the bench as opposed to, to Horkler, but you know, um, and, and then really Jimmy Nichols, again, very good. Uh, it, it was kind of funny. It was like Crosswell was the first half, like that spark plug. And then uh, it, it seemed to be Jimmy Nichols in the second half. So, I mean, a lot to be encouraged about. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, they forced TCU into 18 turnovers. That's the type of team we are uh, right out of the gates. Like they got, they got, um, you know, Reeves hits a three, then he gets a, uh, then he gets a steal, and then drives to the hoop, gets fouled. Like he he gets a quick five points. I mean, he doesn't have a monster game, but I, I think that seemed to get his confidence up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I think a lot to like. One thing, one thing on the turnover front is, and I'm I'm, wa- I'm watching the the uh, Kentucky Notre Dame game right now. And they were down, what was it, 22 or 24 at half, and they've clawed their way back. Who knows what's going to happen? But what they're doing and what I would love to see Providence continue to do, because they did it against TCU, is after a made bucket, they're picking up uh, they're picking up the defense and putting some type of, like, soft press, or they call it, like, a yeah. sugar press. Um, for Full court. And even if you're not getting steals, which obviously we got a ton. They had 18 turnovers. That's fantastic. Even if – we're only forcing an additional two or three turnovers off that press. What it does is it takes off anywhere from, you know, seven to 12 seconds on the shot clock before the team can get into their half court offensive set, which the less time you have, the less likely you're going to get a better offensive look. So do I want to run like uh, a 40 minute full court press the entire time? No, but if you're putting that soft pressure on them full court, it's going to lead to the other team having not that great of looks. And we have the athletes, we have the depth, as we've mentioned, to do that. So I want to con- continue to see them do that. Yeah, yeah. They, like, they had Duke pick them up at full court, and then they kind of do, like, a little trap action at half court. Um, you know, in terms of the bad, I guess, in the game, you brought it up earlier. Uh, the defense, you know, wasn't great to give up 60% uh, shooting. But, I mean, I think – they made up for a lot of that with, with a good rebounding edge. Uh, and then obviously the turnovers and the steals that, that we spoke about. Um, and then one other thing, like the second half seemed like a completely different game. Uh, we allowed TCU to shoot 67% in a half, which is just not good, but That's wild. Um, I know seriously. And, and the fact that they like came like a little close, 
like within like five, but never could get really, really close. That was, that was good to see too. Um, but, uh, but one thing I will say that I do think PC caught a few breaks in this game. One, uh, that, that Farabello guy, Francisco Farabello, uh, he's their best shooter. He was out uh, due to COVID, I believe. And then Kevin Samuel got into foul trouble, which was huge. Like, you watch that game, like TCU first half versus TCU second half was a totally different team. And that was because Kevin Samuel was in there. But um, so, so I thought we got some fortunate breaks uh, for being on the road, but I mean, oh, I, I don't have many complaints. How about you? No, I, I don't. I think, um, I think obviously you'd like to see the defense play a little bit better um, beyond just the field goal percentage. Uh, Nemhart went off. Um, so you, you want to see a little bit better defense from that regards, but you, you know, it, it was a nice win. It was a comfortable win. Um, and it's nice to go into big East play kind of putting the Maui in the rear view and, uh, having a nice win on the road, uh, going into big East play. So, uh, I think we're trending in the right direction. Um, I was excited to see us play Xavier tonight, but that's, that's not happening. Yeah. Like the whole weekend just got ruined for me, considering. And then they're not even—they're not playing—they're not playing UConn either, so it's going. Which I'm surprised by because, um, you know, obviously UConn has suspended activities due to COVID, but I heard they're practicing Sunday. Yeah. So like, why are? I don't know. I'm not gonna get into it. It, it kind of sounds like to me, Hurley's a little afraid of a little rust, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, one other point I will throw out in terms of, I mean, I don't want to say bad, but um, Bynum did continue to struggle offensively shooting the ball. Uh, he was one of six, including 0 of three from three. He's now 0 of 17 on the season from three. We're going to have a Jared Bynum three watch. Uh, yeah. We'll get it. We'll get a ticker going on like our, uh, on Twitter and we'll, you know, we'll just keep adding it on as he keeps missing. Um, I will say, so he only had two points, but that was a nice bucket, by the way. Like, he, uh, he, he got a screen, took a few steps in, stopped on a dime, a little pull-up mid-range. That was a nice play. I think he needs to do that more. But, but you know, you think, oh, he has a bad game. Like, maybe we should start thinking uh, Breed, but he sneakily had eight assists. So, yeah. and, I mean, you I, know, I, I'm, most still, I'm still what? on the bottom train. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think the eight assists is fantastic, but I think you only had one turnover too, so an eight-to-one yeah. assist to turnover ratio, that's fantastic. That's what you want in your point card. Listen, the shots are going to start dropping. It's a matter of time. Um, if he's taking wide open – what I don't want to see is him forcing it and shooting a contested three. If it's open, take it. You know, If you're wide open, take that shot because they're going to start dropping. Um, but it's nice to see – like you don't want to see somebody go 0-4 from three and have only a one bucket – and they only have like two or three assists as a point guard. Clearly he's contributing elsewhere. Um, so that's nice to see. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I, I would just say, like you said, the Friars, they have some nice momentum now, putting them out in the rear view uh, and have some nice momentum going into conference play, uh, biggest play, which started yet uh, on Friday. And we will break all of that down, including our power rankings um, once we have a quick word from Anchor. All right, welcome back. 
to the Province Crier Podcast. Um, so Biggie's play gets underway. Well, it actually got underway on Friday. Um, BOC and I, or I should probably say really me, we kind of lucked out because BOC wanted to do a pod uh, to recap the Friar game and then do a lead up into the Biggies before the Friars' first Biggies game. I was swamped with work. Uh, so the Friars' cancellation, actually, you know, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, one, we, we'll say you were working. I think you're just being lazy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, it's also a good thing because Xavier is red hot right now. Um, they just hung, what was it, 99 on Oklahoma? Yeah. Um, so it might, it might not be uh, the worst thing in the world that we may catch them at a later date. Because um, yeah. clearly they're playing, I think they're what, 7-0 and right now? They are, yes. But, you know, I'll say this, because uh, my roommate from college and my other buddy from college that, that you grew up with, uh, Nina Meyer, they were like, they said the same thing. Like, oh, like, I don't want to play Xavier. Um, and my roommate thinks that, that I'm drinking the, the Province Crier podcast Kool-Aid to think that the Friars are like, everything's fixed and everything. But honestly, like, I would love to play Xavier today. Are you kidding me? Like, yes, they, they looked unreal against Oklahoma, right? But they've been a wacky team. They've been very up and down. Like, their first game of the year, they blow out Bradley – or, excuse me, they blow out Oakland. And then the next three games against Bradley, um, Toledo, and Eastern Kentucky, they won by a combined seven points. A win and is like, a win. A win is a win. I totally agree with that. But, like – and they hit 19 threes against Oklahoma, which is insane. Yeah. But, like, outside of that game, they had a game where they hit, they hit 13, which is also very good. But I think that was the Oakland game. Um, other than that, though, of their – so the other five games, the most threes they've hit was, like, seven or six. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not that – listen, uh, they, they are 7-0, so we should treat them as such. But, I mean – there's a reason why they're not the second highest team in Kempom or the third highest team rather in Kempom um, from the Big East because honestly they haven't played a ton of people. I get it, Oklahoma's gonna win, but I mean Oklahoma's probably on the lot similar line as to what TCU is. So maybe a little bit better than TCU. They beat TCU, but I don't know. I, I'm not that afraid of the Musketeers at this point. But um, so. Biggie's play gets underway, um, got underway yesterday. Uh, Seton Hall hosted St. John's. They got the win. I watched a little bit of that game. Um, Lapis, by the way, was was announcing with a mask on. What? It, wow. was, it was ridiculous. And, and the other guy was announcing with a mask on, too. I mean, obviously, I, you know, this podcast promotes uh, social distancing and uh, wearing a mask and all that. But, I mean, it was just a weird sight. Like, just do the game at home then if, if you're going to – it was just very weird. It, obviously muffled. But, anyways, yeah. uh, the whole get get the win. Um, if you read my article on the, the – or our article, I should say, on the Big East Power Rankings, uh, I had a haul at eight because I was really not impressed, even though they played a tough schedule. Um, they get the win over St. John's and – 
clearly I should have them higher because Mamu has just been unreal this year. Yeah, Mamu, I like I've said, I think he's a dark horse or Biggie's player of the year. The team's gonna go as far as he takes them. Um, he has that rare ability as like that modern four where he can not only score and he's big, he can rebound, he can give assists, and he can almost be like a point forward. Um, he's a really good player. Uh, I think Seen Hall needs to get a little bit healthy. They're going to be a team, maybe similar to Providence, that you know started to add a conference a little bit slow, and then you know things to keep tracking normally or somewhat normally with the season by January or February or so. They're right in the thick of the Big East and like that, you know, maybe the three to six range. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't look at the Hall's record at four and three and say they're a mediocre team. I think they just have tested themselves out of conference which will pay dividends uh, in the Big East. So really nice win for the Hall, just looking at their style line right now. Obviously, Mamu had 30. He had 32-9, and and he was super efficient, uh, made 12 of 18 uh, field goals, and went 3 of 5 from 3. Yeah, it was was his show. And then St. John's, they're 5-2 and right now. Um, They had – a really good performance from uh, how do you pronounce his name? Champagne. Yeah, uh, yeah, Julian uh, Champagne or whatever. Champagne, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Cole, he did well. As well. So that I, I like St. John's. I think they're probably still two or two years or so from having a full blueprint um, for Mike Anderson and then the type of style he wants to play. But they're getting there, and it's it's going to be a little bit of a longer term rebuild. But I like the way they're headed. They're going to be a pest to play game in, game out, because they hustle, they work hard, um, and they're just going to be a really tough out. So uh, that's a really nice win for Seton Hall. Yeah, I agree, um, especially, you know, Seton Hall in the game prior against Penn State, um, they come out flat again. You know, the the, weak, the weakness at point guard with, with Bryce Aiken being hurt uh, was obvious, and they're getting blasted in the game. I just turned it off because, like, it was so bad. Uh, and it turns out they end up, you know, having a huge comeback, winning in overtime. Mamu was a beast in that game as well. Um, but so I, I think you're on to something. I, I think that's a very good comparison to compare them to Providence. Granted, they didn't have crazy bad uh, non-conference losses. Their worst was URI, but, um, you know, n- not the season that they were hoping for to start out for the Gates for sure. Um, but – but yeah, in terms of St. John's, I, I, again, I totally agree with you. Um, very fun team to watch play. I, I think if like the NCAA did like a um, like a red zone or, or NBA league pass, uh, the the Johnnies would be a fun team to to, to watch. Um, I think they would be a popular team across country for people to watch because they, they play with a lot of pace. Um, you know, I really like Posh Alexander. Uh, Champagne's been great. Um, yeah. I, I think St. John's going to be a pain in the ass all year, for sure. Um, then moving on to the other game, Nova traveled to, to um, Georgetown. I didn't really watch it, uh, but Nova obviously got the win. So um, Georgetown but... Georgetown actually closed the half up 13 on Nova. So, <laughs> really? Yeah, and then Nova just blew them out in the second half. They they scored outscored them in the second half 43-17. to 17. Um so obviously it just shows Nova's medal. They came out of the second half and did a really nice job. Good contributions from the folks you would expect. Gillespie led the way with 18, six and four rebounds, which is fantastic, obviously. 
uh, banged 15 threes on 39% shooting um, from three. Uh, but it's, it's, it's actually a silver lining for Georgetown because you need – it's going to be a tough year, I think, for Ewing and the Hoyas. You want to see them stay competitive. And even last year, while they were losing a lot, they were still a very competitive team, which I think is a testament to Ewing as a coach. Um, but I think they're so they're going to be a tough out. I think top to bottom in the Big East is going to be a tough out. You never there's no guaranteed wins in my opinion. Um, the Hoyas are down, but they certainly still have the talent. They had Demarco Pickett drops 16 and 10. Um, he's he's a great player. Uh, so. You could talk about how they lost big or relatively big against Villanova, but they were up 13 at half. So they just need to put a couple of games together. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think Pat will get them compete um, in the article you wrote that you, you hope that, uh, you know, the, the administration gives them another season uh, as he's got a pretty good class coming in. Um, I, I would like to see that too, because honestly, like a coach, I mean, I, I guess you could argue that, like, you know, the culture stunk or whatever, and, like, that's why guys are leaving. But, like, I feel like it's kind of hard to pin four guys just all leaving together at once strictly on the coach. I mean, from all indications, it doesn't sound like, like Ewing's, like, this terrible guy to play for. These guys just all left for yeah. – for, I mean, and they got in trouble, too, and that's not his fault. Um, so rooting, rooting for Pat, uh, in, in he's, the good for the, he's good for the big East too. Like he, yeah. he's, a, he's good to see on the sidelines. And like you said, he seems like a good guy. You want to see him succeed. At least I do, you know? Um, yeah, for I sure. Most- I mean, I, I, I do get the other side of it where like, maybe it's finally time for Georgetown to kind of let go of the pass and, um, yeah. try something new. I, I totally get that, but I, I would just probably, in my opinion, just give you one more chance. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah. I hear you. We'll see what his record is, though, because, you know, that could get hairy if it's really, really bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, back to the Big East Power Rankings article. Um, yeah, I had Marquette way too high, which I'm glad to be wrong about because I hate Marquette. <laughs> I, I hate Wallace <laughs> for the passion. Uh, that guy's a punk. Uh, not a fan. <laughs> they, I mean, that's just – you have to be infuriated. I mean, UCLA is five and one, right? So yeah. it's not a bad loss, but like after the win against Wisconsin, the upside win, you're like, okay, I want to keep it going and um, like see the team continue to do well. And it's just like so emblematic of Wojo. Like they come off this nice win and then lose to UCLA. Um, so I think they're, they're going to be a, another team that is going to be tough offensively. Um, they're going to start to be a little bit better defensively because as great as Marcus Howard was, he was a liability on defense. Right. Um, he's going. Yeah, to- I mean, they're already way better defensive team. I mean, yeah, because um, because they haven't scored like a top top points. I mean, that Wisconsin game was a bit of a rock fight that they won. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was just impressed with the Wisconsin win because I like that Wisconsin team to me. I think is very good and a Final Four contender. Um, you may disagree with that, but I do. Yeah, but I mean, I I, I just like I, I like Reavers, I like Trice, I like Brad Davidson still in college hoops somehow. Brad uh, Davidson. Uh, that, that win just impressed me. Um, you know, they did lose to Oklahoma State. So I, I mean, end of the day, I shouldn't have put them where I did at two. That was kind of ridiculous, but whatever, it's over. Let's just knock them down a, a few pegs. I'm fine with it. Uh, 
And I think one other team in the power rankings that I kind of want to quickly touch up on, uh, Creighton. Remember, beginning of the year, I put them at three. I, like, uh, I'm trying to be like a little, you know, off the, the chalk of everyone else. Um, I'm glad I put them at three, BOC. And let me tell you why. I watched the Kansas game. Um, now, granted, they're playing at Kansas, but there's no fans. There were fans. There were fans at that okay. game. Yeah, there were some fans. It was probably like 50-50. I mean, you, you got Zagorowski's mom like screaming the whole game. Uh, but uh, but no, the reason why I wasn't sold on Creighton is because of the loss of Tyshawn Alexander, what it does to them defensively, and what it does for them offensively. And mainly, I think he hurts Mitchell Ballack, a guy that I've said can't create his own shot. He's a guy that just runs around and tries to get open on the perimeter. He, he's literally only made two shots this year that haven't been threes. Uh, and he's he's down from like 11 points a game last year now to, to eight. So that was glaring. Another thing which excites me was uh, McCormick on Kansas. Absolutely eight oh, bishop yeah. and their bigs alive. Like classic Creighton to have lanky, skinny, soft big men. Uh, I think when we play them, I think Nate Watson's going to have an absolute field day against those guys. Yeah, I think offensively, I think they're probably the best team in the Big East. Um, I'm much higher on them than you are. Their one Achilles heel is going to be their uh, front court defense. Um, you're absolutely right. McCormick had a day. Watson is going to have a field day against them. Um, that, that What may prevent them from being a Final Four type team is – a team they play against that has a couple quality big men and like big like big men in the truest sense like six ten six eleven back to the basket bigs they're going to have a lot of trouble with that um but i like i said i'm i'm very impressed with them uh i'd be very optimistic as a creighton fan so we will do you actually think denzel mahoney is that good though come on i i love mahoney i think he's the heart and soul of their team oh yeah what happened last year when, when we played creighton Will Mahoney kept getting teased and was like all pissed off because Diallo was dominating his ass. Like, come on. But you know, you know, uh, you know, I love those guys that were uh, their heart on their sleeves. So I'm I'm okay with that. Listen, like, I, you know, it's not that I hate Creighton. I, I still like Creighton. I just don't think they're that top fifteen team like people for some reason still think they are. Um, although, to their credit, er, something that to make note of would be that. Uh, you know, uh, Zagorowski, he really hasn't gotten it cooking yet offensively, I don't think. So once that happens, you know, maybe they're, they're a little bit better. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a really fun big season. Hopefully, you know, we can get these games in uh, um, with COVID. And, you know. So quick question for you. So we had – obviously we had uh, Xavier and UConn canceled. Yep. Do you think there's any chance we play an out-of-conference game one more, or do we try and squeeze a Big East team in before sometime early this week? What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually going to ask that to you, and I forgot. Um, so good on you. But, uh, yeah, Cooley has already come out and said that he'd rather a conference opponent than a non-conference. But I absolutely expect we're going to play someone. Yeah. Um, 
for sh- like no way Cooley's gonna let these guys just sit around uh, quarantined on campus without playing. Like I, the whole point of this college season is to get as many games in as possible during the break, right? So why are we just gonna sit around and, and wait for a game? I, I don't think that happens. Um, I could. You're right, Cox. If you're listening, bring it on. Like, we will, we will kill you, right? If we play them, huh? like, I have no doubt in my mind, we would destroy you, right? This year, like, they have zero answer for Duke. That's Russell. It, dude, he hasn't been good this year at all. He's regressed as a guy that's gotten all this hype, the the Koozie Award, like all this recognition in the off season. He has regressed. I Like, volume shooter that can't shoot. He's been terrible from three. He's been terrible from four. Like, in their game the other night, he was god-awful. And, like, I, I didn't watch it, but he was, like, uh, like three of 13 or something like that. And, like, Uri's making a comeback. Um, who they – against Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, you're always making a comeback. I keep refreshing the page and his shot total still at 13. I'm like, Ooh, what's going on here? Uh, so he's clearly affected by his shooting woes this season. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they would have no answer for Duke. We could just plop Duke on, on stupid Fats Russell, the guy who thinks he owns the state. Uh, and you, uh, you really have a, you really have a grudge against him. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's the worst man. A little bit, like, it's a little bit embarrassing as a as your co-host here. Um, I think I made my point very clear. I, I don't spend a nanosecond of time thinking about URI. So um, what I would like to see actually, and I was checking the schedule for the up next couple of days, um, Seton Hall had, was supposed to play Xavier on Tuesday and that's postponed because of COVID. So it wouldn't shock me to see us play Seton Hall on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and like I said, Cooley definitely prefers the, uh, the, the conference game over the non-conference game, but it would be interesting to see maybe that they throw, cause they still have one opening for a non-conference. So it'll be interesting to see if they maybe throw something in later in the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I'm sorry, but Fast Russell last year just claiming that he owns the state because he's like the first URI player ever to have a winning record against the Friars. Um, he, he just rubbed me the wrong way, and um, I'm happy to see that he's having a bad se- – like, he's not having a good se- – like, 18 points a game, I get it. But look at the numbers. Like, he's not been good. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't really care <laughs> too much about them. Uh, so, all right, fine, fine. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. I, I guess that's my rant for the, for the yeah, day. you're really obsessed with URI. They're in, they have, they have some free real estate in your brain. It's pretty they, interesting. They don't um, own shit in my brain, dude. I think they do. You just went on a six, five to 10 minute rant about URI and I didn't even really bring them up. It was unprovoked. So, <laughs> uh, if there are any URI fans listening to this, just know, uh, you are in the brain of the, the crier. No, uh, it couldn't be for, further from the truth. But uh, all right, so let's just wrap up this show then. Um, that Kentucky game that we were talking about earlier that we were watching, Kentucky loses. Uh, they got a decent look from Olivier Saar at the buzzer. Uh, he misses it. Kentucky now drops the one in four. And I know they're kids, Coach Cal, but your team looks pretty, pretty awful 
<laughs> I mean, uh, well, what do you think? I mean, the funny thing is, like, we talk about the four and two start for the Friars and how people are upset. We, uh, you know, they have like ten McDonald's All Americans on their squad, <laughs> and to start one and four, I like, I hate the excuse of a team being young, even though it's true. Uh, to a lesser extent, they're not they're not as young as they traditionally are. You know, they do have Sar, for instance. Uh, they have Mints. They have a lot of – they do have some upperclassmen as well as a traditional five-star freshman. Uh, a team like Kentucky where you're getting – you have more talent than 95, maybe even higher, 95% of the rest of the teams in the country. There's no reason to be starting one and four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a rough start for them. I'm sure – they'll turn it around. They should just hang their hat on defense and pressing the entire time. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. Like I said, Coach Cal's kids tend to figure it out at some point, but one and four, though, oof, oof, not good. Um, speaking of not good, uh, earlier today, Florida uh, Florida State. Um, uh, Keontae Johnson. Yep, yeah, uh, Keontae Johnson, a guy that PC had interest in, but obviously – you know, teams like Florida came calling, so we, we didn't win him. But I, I've always been a big fan of his. He dominated us last year. Um, scary moment for him against FSU. He collapsed, uh, I believe, did he collapse in the first half or second half? Was, first first oh, half. So it was, it's really weird. Uh, he had a transition dunk and then a timeout was called. I forget if it was on the, like an official timeout or um, Florida State or Florida took a timeout. But he came out of, uh, came out of the timeout and just collapsed. And um, – let me look at the score. I think Florida State actually – they were Florida was up at that point. Then when he left the game, um, the tides turned, and I'm looking right now. I'm pretty sure Florida State won rather handily. Yeah, yeah they, they won. They, by, they've, they've won eight in a row in that. Dude, Leonard, Hamilton, Leonard Hamilton doesn't get the respect he deserves as a coach. That guy is not only a great recruiter, he's a great coach, and – you don't think of Florida State as a basketball school. I mean, given the state of their football program, they they are a basketball school. They are, they have produced in season in the NCAA tournament. It's it's pretty impressive. I, I'm a big fan of Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, for sure. Um, I well, I actually went I, I went to the tournament games uh, two years ago in Hartford, and um, Florida State w- was in the group. And yeah, I was pretty impressed by their falling. They have like a cult falling, it seems like. Um, but yeah, Hamilton's awesome. And on top of that, he does—he's seventy-two years old. He doesn't look a day over forty. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, um, County Johnson thoughts and prayers for him. Um, you know, that's kind of reminiscent of Hank Gathers uh, from Loyal Marymount back in the day. So obviously, you know they got to monitor him and make sure he's right uh, before he gets back on the court. Um, my last point would be uh, Luca Garza. Um, dude, that guy is an absolute cheat code. It is ridiculous. And um, for Reeks, the guy that writes for Barstool, that writes for college hoops for Barstool. Yeah. For him to come out with an article to say that Garza's overrated because he like, hasn't done it enough or like hasn't won enough is one of the worst college it's worse than coach k like coming out and being like now ah, we're gonna cancel our non-conference schedule and then play three days later because of covid uh, 
Luca Garza is an absolute cheat code. Like, what does this guy have to do? Uh, he's Gar- like, okay, he, hold on, let me pull up. He had, while you're looking that up, he had actually a tough go of things against um, North Carolina, which isn't surprising because they have a ton of um, quality big men. I think he gets, I think what uh, the Barstool Raider was trying to say is he, 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 he doesn't do anything flashy, which that's there's there. It's almost like Tyler Hanborough back in the day um, where the guy, all he does is produce, but he's not like an elite athlete. So it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a lot of um, notoriety, but yeah, he just produces on the offensive end. Um, I, I do think what maybe the Barstool Raider was saying is he does get the benefit of the doubt with a lot of whistles uh, potentially. That's um, but yeah, he's no, he's great. 265 pounds. Like, that again? That's because he's 6'11", 265 pounds, and can shoot threes. Like, yeah, he's a cheat code, man. Like, okay, so against UNC, this is the bad game you speak of, sixteen and fourteen. I take that any, any night, but you do bring up. Oh, okay, point. so I know that shooting night. Yeah, no, you're right. What did he? What did he? How many shots did he take? He was. He took twenty. He was six of twenty. And so think of this: he was six of twenty in that game on the season. He's still shooting. 68% from the floor and he's shooting 68% or 69 if you round up 69% nice uh, from three like the guy is literally a cheat code he's gonna win player of the year this year and I mean Iowa might get upset in the tournament um, but I like that team they're a fun team to watch they're um, great great offense a ton of shooters around. I mean uh, McCaffrey's built that team really nice so he's and he's a, a lunatic which I like yeah yeah he's <laughs> yeah that's definitely a guy you want to spend like you go to the bar with him at night and he ends up getting a fight with somebody at the bar. Um, but he, he guards not only can hit the threes, but he's obviously a big dude as well. And he McCaffrey has surrounded him with knockdown shooters. And that's just like a great recipe. The only thing I could see hurting them in the tournament is if it's just a rare night where they go cold from three, and you just got to hope guards can carry them. So yeah, yeah. they're, uh, they're definitely a final four type team in my opinion. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so that's all I got. I mean, you got anything else? No. I think no, we we'll uh, hopefully get some more clarity on Big East games uh, over the next 24 to 48 hours. I think we'll probably hear something come out soon, um, and hopefully we don't have to wait. When, when's our next scheduled game? Is it is it next Saturday or when? If things mm-hmm. if we don't put any new games on the on the schedule, is it? I'm guessing it would be the following Saturday. Yeah. Hold on. I'm gonna quickly check that. Uh, it is Sunday. That's yeah. Know. So I I really don't feel like waiting till December twentieth to see, That's, to see no. our team play. Um. So hopefully we can get a game on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. So uh, keep it with the provincecrier.com. Uh, follow the blog. Uh, to get all the latest updates. Um, we'll be pumping out some content. Uh, we might get some recruiting stuff too. Um, you know. We know how you guys like that. But uh, so, yeah, just, just keep it locked with us. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, again, at Providence Crier. He's at BOC all day. And that is it for today. Peace out, Firetown. Thanks, guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, Crossover, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo 
Boy sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke, when I'm way above the hoop, babe. Crossover, I might throw the alley oop. But they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. Man up in my city, I'm the truth.